Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, I'm glad that you've joined us today. I am, of course, your host for the day, Aaron Richards, and I am here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio hosting solo today uh, on account of the fact that we have an amazing interview. I guess, is it two interviews? We have two guests here today. I'm excited to uh, to welcome them in just a little bit, but Beyond Damascus is the show where encounter meets mission. If you haven't joined us before, we discuss every topic imaginable from the standpoint of understanding that an encounter with Jesus has a natural conclusion in a lifestyle of mission and vice versa. You can't have one without the other. So like St. Paul who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, in that encounter, his life was transformed. So too, our lives should be transformed when we encounter Jesus, not just uh, that we would come away looking differently, but that the way we act, the way we live, the way we work would be transformed, that our lives would be a living witness to the work of the gospel. And that's, uh, that's the purpose of, of this show. If you're joining us for the first time, Check out, uh, check out the reruns, check out where we've come from and where we're going. Friends, uh, thanks again for joining us for today's show. I'm gonna open us in prayer and then we'll jump right in. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, you call us to give everything to you and that everything is different for every one of us. Um, we thank you, Lord, for the diversity of gifts and the diversity of, of talents that you've offered to each of us and for calling us in a special way to share in your creative mission by dedicating uh, those things that are that we, we are passionate about back to you. God, the gifts that you've given us, we give them back to you. And today, as we have a, a little conversation with our two new friends here in the studio about how it is that we can allow technology, uh, Lord, to serve you, we pray that you'd inspire hope especially in the hearts of those people who have felt a similar passion or a similar call, and that you'd allow us to realize that there's nothing out, out of bounds when it comes to the service of your kingdom and the work of evangelization. We pray this all in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, friends, um, well, I'm talking to my new friends here. I, I, it's my great pleasure to introduce, uh, to introduce our two guests for the day. We've got Ricardo and Danilo. Uh, welcome from from Miami, Florida, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. Uh, so, uh, just a little background. Um, I'll give a little background about myself and about about the two of you guys. We we have been good friends for just under twenty four hours. We met yesterday, officially face to face, and uh, I have I have had very little opportunity to share about my life. But as those who are closest to me might know, I work here now as executive director of Damascus and Catholic Youth Summer Camp, but my origin story truly began when I started as a, my humble beginnings as a little tech boy uh, working for our retreats. I was, invited, I was invited in seventh grade to start helping out with confirmation retreats with, a, with an associate pastor who was new to our parish. And he said, hey, I, I need someone to come to my confirmation retreats and press the play button on my tape deck so that we can have music for retreats. And uh, that was where I began and uh, how far we've come. So the media studio here at Damascus, our, our, our music and our technology, there's some of the, the 
coolest tools that we have to put in the service of the gospel. And in the midst of uh, running, uh, I think, world-class organization here at Damascus, um, we too run into our fair share of challenges and trials. And that's how we ran across the two of you. So uh, remind me again, the organization you work with, we're called South Point. Yes. In Miami, Florida. And give me a little snapshot of what it is that South Point um, provides to the world. Yeah, so basically, uh, South Point Technologies is a is a dev consultancy agency down in Miami, Florida, and uh, we we both started off about four years ago. And uh, what we do is we build custom software out for different organizations. So basically, the fusion between a traditional development agency but also consultancy. Um, and basically, for the last few years, what we've done is we've met uh, many different organizations from different walks of life. Uh, lend an ear, and then we normally provide them the tooling that they need to yeah. for their operational needs. Whether their tooling is dealing with all their ops craziness or their market-facing product. Um, so you mean we're not the only ones who have difficulty incorporating all of our technology needs? <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys have yourself pretty pretty well in comparison to what we've seen. Good, yeah. So uh, you you guys operate a. Um, an organization that serves primarily a secular audience, yes? I would say it's very yes. Okay. And uh, it's, it's beautiful the way, that, the way that we met here. So uh, we'll get into this a little bit as, as we talk about your story and kind of what you know, the Lord's been doing in your lives over the last few years. But I like to say when we walk around Damascus, and actually I told you this, guys, this, this morning, the, that there's nothing that exists here that doesn't exist from the generosity of of our benefactors, from the generosity of people who support us in mission. Um, you know, there's there's miracle stories that accompany just about everything on this campus from our, our rock walls to our cabins, to our lodge, to our, to our property itself. And uh, the reason that we're able to be equipped for mission is through, is through the Lord working in such a way that he inspires the hearts of those sons and daughters that he's given particular gifts so that we can we can work together for the upbuilding of the kingdom. Um, one of the one of the sayings that we have in our missionary program is that is that we give by going, and others go by giving. That it's actually this this um, connection of realizing that every single one of us is called to the to the missionary work of evangelization, and it just looks a little different for for some people. Um, and in a very in a very big way, now you guys are a part of the mission of Damascus, and and we're we're so very grateful. So we met through uh, an organization online that connects nonprofit agencies with philanthropic individuals who wanted to give back um, and dedicate some time to pro bono work. And when you guys happened upon the website, your search criteria was uh, led by who can we serve who's forwarding the Catholic cause? And that led you to us. So um, we're so grateful. And truly, it was just a couple months ago that we began conversation. Um, and now it's led to hopefully the, the beginning of, of a close alignment of, of mission and vision. And I'm excited to see what, what work we're able to do together. So thanks for being a part of the mission of Damascus, gentlemen. Thanks for having us so far. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, I, I I started the show by by sharing kind of the the foundation behind why we exist, and that is that as a as a podcast, we want to talk about the fact that that when you encounter 
a powerful um, relationship with Jesus that your life will be transformed to a place where you want to where you want to change the world, right? And that God calls us into this place of mission. So, I, I would love to hear just a little bit about your stories and how each of you came to relationship with Jesus, how you find yourselves at South Point, and um, what kind of work the Lord's been doing behind the scenes in your own process. I bet you have different stories. So, uh, Danilo, we want to kick us off. Yeah, sure, fine. Um, so. Uh, my story starts when I was 12. Uh, for whatever reason, I decided that I'm an atheist and I don't believe in God because uh, I don't remember why, but I, probably a bad reason. <laughs> oh, it's it's never a good reason, right? <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure it was something along the lines of I can't remember if it was a friend or if it was a puppy that I had. It was probably something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I prayed. I prayed to God that you know. Either I have more friends or I have a puppy or whatever it was. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't come to light. And then I thought, hey, God must not be real, right? Yeah. So, and I kind of held that thought um, all the way up into my 20s, right? Yeah. Um, and in, you know, the, the, growing, the, the growing pains of life where, you know, you kind of get misdirected into like places, you know, doing things that you shouldn't do, et cetera. Um, I found myself basically uh, searching for something that you uh, you call everything else except for God, right? <laughs> the universe, um, enlightenment, you yeah. know, uh, whatever it is that this new age, uh, I guess, uh, religion is propagating out to yep. you know young people, right? And um, and uh, you know, I kind of fell for that that way of thinking for a while, and uh, I thought I. I believed in something, but in reality, I realized later that, you know, I didn't believe in anything. And kind of, um, I guess, uh, having that desire to look more and more into that, right? And to uh, have a closer relationship with this, you know, with God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I eventually came to the conclusion that, hey, this, the, you know, a framework for communicating with, with God has been around for the past thousand plus years, right? Yeah. So um, that that's kind of where I... Um, uh, came to the conclusion, right? I, I, it was helped by, um, I'm also into jujitsu, right? Nice. Uh, I got into it back in like uh, 2013-ish. And uh, um, it was uh, through a, a friend, a mutual friend of ours, which is also the same person that introduced us. Um, uh, her husband was a, was a professor at a jujitsu gym. And she's like, hey, yeah, come along and, you know, and try it out and see if you like it. And I, I liked it to the point where it was like, I really, really liked it. And it became like almost an obsession, right? Um, and uh, they had kind of like a, a fitness ministry, right? Uh, they, they, they weren't Catholic, they were Christian. Uh, but we would do a thing where, you know, we would exercise, we would do the jujitsu, the wrestling, you know, other things that we would learn. Uh, and then we would pray at the end, right? And at the time, I wasn't open to the idea. I still had the, you know, the... In my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, that really softened me up to it. You know, and started, you know, opening me up to like, hey, um, what is this idea of Jesus, of God? Yeah. You know? And that kind of led me to, uh, towards the path. And um, I think after uh, getting together with Ricardo and, you know, he, he also went on his journey, he kind of pulled me along a little bit, a, a little bit further and a little bit harder into, you know, this lane. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's also into a lot of like uh, philosophy and deep thinking type of things. And. I also yearn for that, right? And, yep. and we've kind of, you know, shared uh, different, um, you know, the different things that we've learned and um, 
books that we've read and so on and so forth. That, I feel like that has also helped me yeah. in, in this journey. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, you were the first person who I've ever met who was invited back to faith through jujitsu. Yeah. That is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you, said, you said that it was at the age of thir- 12 or 13 that you made that, that, yep. that choice. And mm-hmm. what, it's interesting. One of the um, sort of statistics that drives one of our core motivations for ministry is is this understanding that on today on average at the age of 13 is the age at which kids will make a decision for or against their faith that'll that'll drive them for the rest of their life so many of our uh, ministry outreach efforts here through Catholic youth summer camp or through our our school retreats are aimed at that age group around the, the middle school age because it's so it's such a pivotal time where you can be, you know, can see that, yeah. whether it's, you know, I'm sure you were joking, but whether it's a puppy or a, or a test score, right. You can, you can, you can enter into this place where if you're not, uh, if you're not intentionally invested in and, and led to a, to a place of encounter with, guidance, with the person yeah. of Jesus, yeah. The, given the proper guidance that you can, you can easily find yourself astray and then lay in roots in the wrong place. And unfortunately I didn't have that. Um, uh, I had, culturally catholic upbringing uh-huh. like you know it was like kind of like a uh my parents were raised catholic and then by effect you know they taught me catholic morals and values yeah uh but i was never raised you know with the church with uh yep. with the teachings you know so on and so forth it was more of a hey you should do this because it's the right thing but there was never the explanation of yeah okay so how did you guys come into relationship with each other how did you meet each other you said it was through a through the mutual friend who introduced you to jujitsu. Yes, well, he was learning Chinese, right? Okay, I did not know that. <laughs> and, then, and then my, my uh, uh, this the mutual friend of ours, she teaches Chinese. Uh-huh. And then he got into technology, and then he reached out to her like, "Hey, do you know anybody who knows how to program? I'm learning how to program." And then that's she connected us. Okay, so how long have you guys known each other? Five, six years now, no, I believe. Eight. More. Twenty fifteen. <laughs> oh. Okay, twenty fifteen. Oh. I thought you said twenty years. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, <laughs> That's like seven years. Good. Okay. Well, Ricardo, give, give us your, uh, your story a little bit. Um, mine starts off. Um, my parents were cafeteria Catholics yeah. and, uh, and everyone in my neighborhood, really the, the good chunk of the Cuban expat, um, uh, uh, community in Miami kind of fits that category. Basically, it's like Catholic in background. You, you have your weddings in the church, first communion, but then, yeah, yeah. Basically, you have a Pareto distribution, like twenty percent of the population is doing all the all the all the good works of faith, um, and uh, basically, I was thankfully placed. I was educated by the Jesuits uh, from middle school and high school, nice. uh, so they they planted the seed, and then obviously, I went off to a secular university, and then I did the whole uh, Miami ego trip for about eight nine years, and uh, no joke. Uh, uh, Jordan Peterson unplugged me from the Matrix. Okay, uh, you're like, not the only one. We got a lot of Jordan Peterson fans here at Damascus. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it was it was crazy because it was um, it was the first time since when I was a boy with the Jesuits. Yeah, did that? Did someone talk to me frankly about how to how to transcend yourself? Uh, did, you, did you find? Did you primarily experience his teachings through his books or through? It was his biblical series okay. that just like broke my mind wow and obviously i think i i think for the span of three years i list, listened to like hundreds of hours of his but the interesting was is that uh dr peterson was uh 
he was kind of a gateway. Yep. He through him I got to listen to the Word on Fire, uh, Bishop Bishop Robert Barron, uh, Jonathan Pajot, which is one of the smartest people on earth I've ever yeah. I've ever seen. Um, so it's just like then I got to get to the same the uh, pints with Aquinas, and then you get mm-hmm. to the the Franciscan folks. Uh, and then before you know it, you're you, reading. You stopped just shy of Beyond Damascus. Yes, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's the only podcast I've been, I've been invited to. So um, I've I've You'll then have to catch up on the archives. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then basically after that, I just started surrounding myself uh, with the words of great, studied, learned men. So yep. basically, it reprioritized who my role models were. So uh, besides. So like tech used to be my passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ate, slept, and drank uh, tech technology all, all day long. Uh, but now um, I have this like deep passion to learn. Um, I feel like I have to catch up for all those years beyond that ego ego yeah. trip. So uh, I'm on a quest to try to read the entire Western canon. Uh, I've got I get a little sidetracked every once in a while because I I go into the apologetics quite a bit and that's quite <laughs> the turn. So you read you reread. You read all of Chesterton and then like, well, back to the Greeks. And then you kind of, you read all of C.S. Lewis. You've got a long path ahead of you. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. But I I hope, I hope never to finish and say that in a a coy way, of course. Um, It's, it's been quite nice to be unplugged from the Matrix and try to get as many of my friends unplugged as well. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. Are you prepared to vote? The Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1706, says, By his reason, man recognizes the voice of God, which urges him to do what is good and avoid what is evil. Everyone is obliged to follow this law. Learn more so you're prepared when you vote this November. Visit EWTN.com vote for everything Catholic voters need to know before picking up a ballot. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or of an agenda that people don't want to talk about. The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Tonight, 10 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. When you you say you were you were kind of passionately engaged in technology, what did that look like for you as a as a kid growing up? So it actually was late. Um, a bunch of programming boot camps started popping up around Miami. Um, and then the one I attended to was called Wincode. Shout mm-hmm. out because they were absolutely fantastic with the community. Uh, they provided low cost technical school to everyone uh, to basically you get like these very uh, very highly technical people, and they basically teach you as much as possible as they can in a in a three month sprint. Yeah, and basically you have enough to then teach yourself. So basically they they teach you how to fish kind of, mm-hmm. so then you can kind of you know do your own thing. So. 
Um, I've we've worked with dozens of people that graduated from those uh, boot camps, and uh, it was it provided people uh, a way uh, to get to like a high like a high paid salary position, et cetera. Um, it's especially since it also fit a need, I think, because yeah. I think I don't know I don't know if you want to go into the side tangent, but I think a lot of people are quite disappointed with like the quality of education they get going to uh, college in the, oh, in the modern sense. That's a great tangent. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just think people are just like yearning for more both on the technical side, but obviously the most important side from a spiritual sense. Yeah. Uh, so I don't there. Yeah. There you go. Okay. And uh, when did South Point come into the equation? Um, we kept on getting these kids from, not kids, they were young adults from uh, the, Winko. from Wincode and all the other programming boot camps. Uh-huh. And uh, they were just looking for work. And then thankfully, him and I were friendly enough to convince people to, to want to build projects with us. So we just kept on hiring them and growing and growing and growing. At our, at our biggest peak, we had like 15 employees. Great. Uh, and worked with contractors remote all over the world. And uh, we, we were building really great things. And it was, uh, it was, it was, quite, it was quite a blessing. What, what kind of, so you, you said that you do software development. What have been some of the projects that you are proud of that you guys have worked on? Um, basically, we have a large series of operational software uh, for the multifamily space that we've built. Uh, we've done things in the exercise space, uh, like online fitness, especially during COVID since, since that blew up. Uh, we've done things through, a, yeah, we had a, a custom, custom database design for some folks, dashboards, um, just uh, some uh, Mobile, mobile applications. It's it's been it's been quite the plethora of uh, yeah. of, of things done. <laughs> and I am so one of my favorite things is to hang out with people who love Damascus almost as much as I do. And the fact that you're still here after two days <laughs> is very encouraging to me. So we went through a process, just not not to uh, not to dive into too much of detail, but over the course of over the course of 22 years of of growth in this organization. Um, we, we've pulled together a number of solutions for managing our camp registration, for managing our, our donations from our amazingly generous benefactors, from uh, all of our financial stuff that we got to do to keep, you know, in good favor of the IRS. And uh, all that stuff kind of uh, runs on its own different platforms. And it's as we've grown and scaled, it's become a little overwhelming. And we started asking ourselves this question a couple of years ago. There's got to be, there's got to be someone who can help us make sense of this? Where could we find that person? And we left no stone unturned. We we looked, uh, we we reached out to a number of business owners, number of developers that we know locally, and everyone was like, "Eh, I don't know. There's got to be some solution, but I don't know where you could look." And then in our first conversation with you, Ricardo, it was like, "It seems like you were made to uh, <laughs> to, to provide exactly the help that we need." So thank goodness you're here. Um, we're we're so grateful and uh, and thank you for 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 seeing that and answering that call and opportunity. Uh, I'd like to speak just briefly about kind of that that call to generosity. So, um, why is it that you guys are here in Ohio right now, uh, offering, I, I presume, a highly marketable and technical skill set uh, for a highly discounted rate to a humble organization like Damascus? Somebody uh, who's now a very dear friend many years ago, one of our clients, asked me a question. Yeah. And it was when we were first starting out. And she says, hey, what is your goal? Yep. And I didn't know how to answer her question. My answer was more like, hey, 
I'm just enjoying the ride, the friends, the adventures, the whole night. Like him and I going flying on a plane to go see a client for New York is like, oh, it was a great sense of like, oh, wow, hey, we're, we're doing something neat. And, um, but she gave me the answer that everyone else gives, which is not a bad answer, but it's the business answer. It's like, I'm going to grow this business to X amount of dollars. I'm going to sell it, flip it next. And I was like, okay, I don't have that goal. I actually don't have any goal, so I couldn't really answer back her, her point. Um, but many years passed where I didn't have an answer. And um, and Daniel and I had discussed, and obviously Daniel, I don't think we've ever talked about it, so if I say something that's incorrect about, or about mutual opinion, please correct me, but it kind of seemed like our aim yeah. would have, like we would have felt like the aim of like, hey, let's just sell this and on to the next would have been somewhat empty yep. in that like, yeah, you could make money, but we could make more money in Miami flipping houses. Yeah. We could make more money doing a million different things. And, and um, at some point it's uh, you're like making a successful business just for the sake of making a successful business is in itself, it's a nihilistic aim. Yeah. So once you're unplugged from the matrix, it is no longer an option. <laughs> Good. Denise. I also feel like it's something that, um, uh, I feel like uh, God has been working uh, in us or, you know, and through us, especially recently in, in, you know, these weird ways, right? Where like, for example, we met this guy online where we were building a software that we wanted to build. Well, number one, the original reason why we got together in, uh, to business yep. uh, has nothing to do with what South Point Tech became, right? And thank God, because what we would have built in the past, you know, property management software mm -hmm. and what we would have built in the past would have been garbage <laughs> compared to what we learned um you know in in this entire process right and especially recently we uh it, in looking for the answers to like how do we build a good system for you know do we find this guy who's a, a like a database guru right yeah. like i'm talking about like the guy who worked on database systems back in the 1970s type of thing <clears throat> 1980s um, who just happens to also be like a hardcore Catholic. Yep. And, uh, and through him, we've, we've been finding, you know, a, a lot of these like older Catholic uh, things, you know, that he's, he's, uh, he's been trying to explain to us like, hey, how do you build uh, um, good systems? Well, first you need to have good philosophical concepts in place so that you can, you know, be able to find truth and be honest in your work. And like, how do you find truth and how do you find honesty, right? And then he kind of frames it through... Um, uh, what is it, Aristotle, and then from Aristotle through uh, St. Thomas, right? Yeah. And then like he's like, yeah, when I told him we were Catholic, he's like, perfect, so I, I can explain things to you how I want to explain it and not through a secular lens, right, which was awesome, right? So he's like, all right, let me explain to you the, the philosophical via Aristotle, right? And now look how it all comes, you know, like— This, this was just a, a business uh, mentor? It was a gentleman um, that he met on Quora. Okay. Well, well, now... well, he he has uh, Catholic discussions on Cora. I met him yes. on Stack Overflow. Yeah. Oh, okay, correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Cora, okay. So now he good. now he yeah. gives us two lectures a week that are like architecture driven, and one of them which is theology driven. And he mentions it's like I can't teach you database science without theology. That's amazing. And you you hear oh it, gosh. and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. But then you hear the man. And then you're, you're like, he'll, he'll look at our database design. He'll be like, your way of thinking of being like accepting to ambiguosity is present in your designs. And wow. we're like, what? And then he just proves it. We're like, well, back to the drawing board. And is he, is he in Miami? No, he's no, in uh, Melbourne, Australia. 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 Okay. Yeah. Wow. Even better. 
So have you have you met him in person? Not yet. No, but he will be at my wedding. I hope. <laughs> make sure you, make sure you invite me. I want to <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. Okay, so if uh, if you have ever, if you're one of the small subset of humanity who's ever gotten lost in Quora or uh, Stack Overflow, now you know there's hope for you. <laughs> Maybe coming out of Melbourne, yeah. Australia. Okay. Um, well, tell me more about that that conversation. What did that What did that inspire in you? Uh, it, with uh, with with uh, database guy. Yeah. Um. More of a of of a of a searching like don't accept just anything you hear as truth, right? And uh, one of the things that he he uh, harps on is even the things that you find on the internet that you think might be true. Yeah. Question them. Usually, right? that's good advice. <laughs> yeah, but but even from the perspective of um of technology, right? And this is yeah. something that I've kind of um. Uh, understood, you know, through my years of, of programming, like the better you get at programming, the less you depend on like things like Stack Overflow, et cetera. Um, and uh, especially through him, it, he was like, even those people who sound like they know what they're talking about, yep. if you, you have to question what they say because they might be wrong, right? And he, he even says, even myself, you have to question the things that I say. Don't take my word for it. Like actually look mm -hmm. into the things that I'm telling you, into the Aristotle, the St. Thomas, uh, he also mentioned a lot of works from Frank Sheed, right? Yeah. Uh, look into those things yourself, you know, which, which is kind of like opens the curiosity of like, what did these guys have to say that influenced yeah. him to talk about these things that are now influencing me, right? Because the the, the way he talks and, and um, what's it called? The, the knowledge that he has is, is so compelling, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, yeah, it, I think it inspired a, a, a more seeking of truth, you know, more seeking of... Uh, God, I guess you. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. We also had uh, the original goal of our product until not that recent ago was we want to build a product because our own product because we want to make it big. You know, what yeah. I mean, the whole night we want to make a very wealthy organization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it it forced us to have this awkward pressure of like, hey, like where's our cadence? We have to go, 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 go. Yeah. And uh, now it's 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 been much more calm. Which like we don't want to build something for the sake of it being profitable we want to create something we want to create something that's beautiful in like the in the yeah. philosophical sense something of high value you know like mm -hmm. and everything that you do do for the greater glory of god mm -hmm. so it's it's a complete different mind uh and i think one of the interesting things where it came up i kind of mentioned to you prior which like all these like boot camps that popped up yep. all these boot camps have as their they, they teach extremely well but their idol is all is like, hey, MVP, minimal viable product, get out there, present your present the thing that is not the, the, it literally is like don't don't be scared to show your ugly baby. Yeah. Where it's like, no, no, like don't don't produce things that are not art to the world, right? Yeah. So like their their underlying ethos is wrong. That's that's fascinating. So we're like, where if you could pair it with like if you were to get ambitious young people yeah. that are aiming that are aiming up and then be like, hey, here's technical skills. Then you're you're in like that's a, that's a whole other ballgame. There's there's such an allure for that in the world. I was I was having a conversation just a couple of weeks ago with uh, a a gentleman who was in my in my youth group when he was in high school, and he's now in the world of finance and investment finance, working in New York. Shout out to Windsor, you're awesome, brother. Uh, and the uh, the conversation we were having is just how in in entering into a this this secular lifestyle, um, and he's a he's a man of of deep faith. 
that, that there's this temptation to have your target set squarely on uh, on your own success, right? Um, I, I recall also my my wife Monica is a is a doctor of psychology, and it, she she worked so hard through the course of her studies and career to maintain a focus of faith, and it was really peculiar at the at sort of the the graduation ceremonies when she was receiving this degree after so many years of work, the 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 woman who was speaking uh, kind of given the keynote address at the at the um, at the event, the celebration was all, her entire focus was on now that you've done this incredible work, you've improved yourself to the point where now you're going to be able to meet or to, to fulfill all of your wildest dreams. And this work that you've done on yourself is now going to be able to earn you a degree or earn you a, earn you a salary that's higher than any other person, you know, who, who left the program before. And it's just, it's this, this, uh, this broken path that the world would sell to us that would say An that elevation that ultimately ego. it's 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 precisely it's the elevation of ego and and i imagine that has to be present i mean that's that's sort of like the idea around all of the memes and tropes on 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 the technology world right what what's been your experience in in the field of technology as have you had to deal with that um have you have you met guys who have been dealing with that? What what's the environment like? I think it's um, uh, like Ricky was saying. It's it's this idea of MVP, which I, I've always had an issue with, right? Because yeah. everybody's like, oh, we need to get this out because I need to make my bottom line go up, or I need to be able to sell the company, or so on and so forth. Which um, I guess it's valid in a certain way, but yeah, it it limits you from um you know, building something beautiful, right? And I, I've, I've personally always taken issue and I've kind of accepted it just because everybody says it's true, so it must yep. be true kind of thing, um, which it, it's nice to hear from uh, a friend in Australia that, yeah, that's not the way, right? Because it kind of validates a, a notion that I had in the past that, no, you should, you should build the right thing, right? And you should build things right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's just a lot of hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, because we got to, you know, we got to meet the numbers kind of thing. Uh, break uh, work fast, break things. Or? Yeah, work fast and break the <laughs> Facebook model. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, about, how about you, Ricardo? Um, I have a deep fear in the whole metaverse thing because uh, I don't know if I've been listening to too much Jonathan Pajot, but there's definitely like a weird. Um, there's, it's, it's like it's like the nightmare mix of like the seek of the wrong utopia on Earth yeah. plus like the incarnation that just. Everything about you it. You see, de-incarnation? de-incarnation. Yeah, that's a fascinating phrase. Yeah, so it's just like it's like literally like you are an incarnate being, and yeah. you're just gonna just give uh, up the body. Yeah, and, and people and people that abuse social media uh-huh. are also they're already in the metaverse, right? Like if if you are standing next to somebody, not recognizing the image of God in them, and you're just on your phone, just disconnect into the void, like you're already in the metaverse, right? Yeah. Um, so I find that the amount of hype in that direction is just horribly wrong, yeah. <laughs> misguided. Well, I'm glad that uh, somebody who's doing influential work in the realm of technology has that perspective. That's, that's at least <laughs> encouraging. Uh, okay, as, as you guys are both sharing the story, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm blown away. So here at Damascus, one of the, one of the phrases that we use frequently is is that 
God has placed in us, in the heart of every Catholic, this something that we we, we would call a, a missionary impulse, which is it, there's something about our our heart that resonates when we give ourselves away, right? That uh, Saint John Paul II said it that that man can only come to know himself through a total gift of himself, and it sounds like you know it, I mean should come as no surprise. This is like this is a human a human revelation of our of our having been created in the image and likeness of God. That when when we when we set our foundations on building something egocentric, and then we're introduced to you know call it what you will uh, uh, a philanthropic invitation or or like like what you were you were describing earlier, Ricardo, that that there was just this sense that, yeah, that this keeping up with the Joneses, I'm gonna I'm gonna build and build and sell and flip, and uh, it it just strikes you as empty, right? Why? Because truly, having been made in the image and likeness of God, we are we are not made to take and take and take. We're we are made to uh, to give ourselves away. And um, one of the one of the sayings we have on the show is that every one of us is called to a life of full time mission. And I love even even as you know we're having this conversation now. My guess is that neither of you would have considered yourselves like living an aspect of a missionary life uh, before before meeting the missionaries of Damascus. And um, that that's 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 truly the invitation that the Lord that the Lord offers, right? That that each of us is called to to live in that way in our particular realm of influence, and it's it just brings me such great joy. So welcome welcome to the missionary program. Uh, <laughs> we are we are taking open applications. <laughs> uh, Aristotle and Thomas, I've never heard connected to to the realm of technology. As you guys are are kind of living on the ground floor of the technology world, you know, um, what is it that keeps you engaged? What is it that keeps you excited? And how do you see technology really through the lens of of being a tool that the Lord wants to use to transform the world? I think that uh, the well, I, I went well. I heard a talk the other day. It was quite interesting because it, it used a very broad term for the use of technology, right? So, like, it was under the terms of like garments of skin is in, a, in essence mm. technology, right? Yeah. So basically, it's like it's even it's, you could seen seen in the right way, like the use of technology and its and its uh, its effect on on people is is understood, can be understood biblically, right? So I would just have to announce that I am still ignorant somewhat into into that into that notion, uh, but my guess my um, inclination is like whether I've been technology or if we would have been a carpenter or if we would have been a musician uh, mm-hmm. or some of those lines, um, you have God-given gifts, whatever they are, and just, you know, make sure you aim high. You know, some people have great gifts and they aim low or they discard their gifts and aim low. Yeah. Um, so with the, with the use of technology, I would say that uh, I think one of the things I, I advise people when they're looking for work in tech is like, hey, um, don't just find a high-paying job in a company you're not passionate for. You're technically selling your soul, right? In in essence, right? You're just like I'm going to spend eight hours of my day yeah. doing something that is does not point up. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's just neutral in in, in a way where I don't know if there's a neutral pointing. I'm gonna my inkling is there's only up or down, but yeah. Um, so my inkling is like you get you get it's very easy to orient yourself 
not up by doing so and you just kind of get lost in this like ego stuff where like oh i'm getting this job why because i have expenses and then yep. it's like all right well then then you're then what is the thing that you have highest right so it's uh i would say it's technology i don't think it has a special category just like any other skill set of what you can do mm -hmm. just that as of late tech tech has gotten a lot of attention right because of, of the of the explosion in, in, in industry and all those things that happened in the last few years. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title of the angelic doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a basic textbook for young theology students that became the church's most famous and comprehensive guide to the faith, the Summa Theologica. It is still read today and helped earn him the title doctor of the church. He died in 1274. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Doug Keck on Mother Angelica answering the call. Father Joseph, Mary, and I mine decades of phone calls answered by Mother Angelica. Join us Sunday for a half hour of teaching, advice, laughter, and plenty of prayers from the one and only Mother Angelica. Mother Angelica answering the call tomorrow afternoon, 2 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Yeah, that's sweet. You know, sometimes I have a perspective toward toward technology and, and social media, like you were suggesting, that it's it's not as though, uh, I don't know, it, it's it's not as though there's a new evil or a new good that's been introduced to the world. It's just that the the amplitude has been turned up on both. So, so we still have the capability of making the choice to expose ourselves to good or to expose ourselves to evil. But um, for for young people today, for young adults today. It's almost like um, we were always standing on a precipice, you know, uh, able to go one way or the other. But it's as if the, it's as if the mountain's just gotten steeper, right? And, and if, you, if you step into the good and you commit yourself to the pursuit of the gospel and even aligning with technology, like, like I mean, I'll, I'll brag on our team, like the beautiful work that Damascus is doing. Uh, producing videos that can communicate the heart of God and the transformation of, of young people's lives through their testimony is just, it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's able to elicit um, a true and powerful connection with the Lord through the emotion of sharing in somebody's testimony uh, in a way that you, you can't, you can't do by, by reading a book or reading it in a newsletter. So I think that I, I, I guess my heart would, would be to, celebrate men like yourselves who have uh, heard a call in the midst of what can be really treacherous waters to step into a place where, where you're seeking truth 
in the midst of a technological world, right? And to offer hope to our to our listeners, whether those individuals may have felt a similar call or whether they're discerning in the midst of kind of uh, muddling through that chaos, that that there's hope, and that technology can be used as a tool that can that can transform the world. Yeah, we have a we have an interesting case because um, so Danilo and I are from like the well Danilo is he's born in Cuba. Uh, I'm a son of a Cuban uh, Cuban immigrant, uh, so we're part of like the Cuban exile community uh, that's in in, in uh, Miami. And uh, one one of the most deeply impactful things was that uh, us and literally everyone that we know mostly uh, identifies with what happened with the Castro regime in Cuba. And um, but it wasn't until we came back into faith that we truly understood what happened. And it was it was quite odd because, for me, they would be. It seemed like what what happened in Cuba was like, well, yeah, you know, this form of government came in that didn't work and it did horrible things, and now we're here, we're here. But under the biblical lens, it was like, no, that would and so another civilization got flooded. Mm. So that's why my concern of technology is like, well, civilizations beforehand already did enough to destroy themselves. Like a, a once very Catholic country allowed a godless ideology to become its idol uh, and basically commit, you know, the country, right? Just basically commit mass suicide and bring everyone out into the desert or, you know, in a, ironically, the desert in this story being Miami, right? Um, and there we are, right? And I think that when, I, when, I, when we go and we tell our friends and we're like, hey, if you really wanted to be against the horrors that happened there, you'd be in mass every Sunday because like, like how many priests died defending the faith or how many one went into exile so that, you know, so that you know, they sudden fought. And then, you know, here you are in Miami one generation or two after what occurred and you're living a secular life, basically buying the principles of mm. the government that usurped your father. Uh, so it's one of those things where it's like, you can't even understand that your, your people's history unless you have a biblical lens. So that's a truth that's applicable to all, to all people. And uh, I mean, the two of you based on your, based on your Cuban culture have a real, a real beauty of being able to represent that in your own testimony. What's, what was that experience like for your family growing up? So your parents are, are from Cuba? Yeah, so my grandpa basically had to serve in a Soviet-style gulag for on the island for like three and a half years. Wow. Uh, basically cutting down sugarcane. Um, obviously, um, they didn't treat them really, really well. Um, so you had to do, um, if you, whenever you were against the state or you had an opinion or whatever, and you were ostracized, uh, they, they used to call it ironically anti-social, right? Because um, <clears throat> you were anti the socialists or yeah. whatever it is that... Um, the only things that you could do were those hard labor jobs, right? Like burying the dead, hunting crocodiles, uh, uh, farm work, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's what they would uh, reduce you to. So, like, personally, my dad, that's what um, uh, he was a professor in, in a university in Cuba. Uh, got his doctorates in uh, the Soviet Union in Russia because they, they used to have exchange programs. Um, and <clears throat> he came back during the times when, uh, you know, it was towards the end of the Soviet Union, right? 89, I think, was the... The fall of the Berlin Wall, okay. 91, it was over. That's it. It yeah. was done. Like the world communist organization dismantled, right? And, you know, that whole thing. So they come back and they, now they don't have uh, the, what's it called? The resources that they would send to Cuba. Like Russia used to send uh, resources to Cuba because Cuba obliterated its industry, right? By just like taking over everything yeah. that, you know, America had companies here, right? They just took it all away. They didn't know how to operate it in, you know, certain things in certain ways. And uh, they just started inventing things, and it, it just degraded, right? And then also the, the the economic system, it just doesn't work, and so on. Um, 
And uh, so those provisions that they used to get from Russia, they didn't have it anymore. So they, they caused what's called the special period, right? And so, so my dad and a couple of professors, they all decided to write a letter asking the government for, you know, for resources, you know, monetary resources and, you know, materials, et cetera, so they can build an electric grid so that they can expand electricity. So, we, you know, you can have electricity in different places so you can, you know, create a industry, right? Mm-hmm. And um, somebody in the group decided to frame it, or I don't know if it was framed in that way, or I don't know the exact details. It was years ago, and, you know, my dad doesn't want to get into the details because, you know. Um, and uh, and basically, they, they told Fidel, like, hey, these people are trying to overthrow you, right? And, and like a smart dictator, right, who took over uh, via the universities, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to let these people do the same thing I did, right? So he gets rid of them, right? And the only things, obviously, uh, he couldn't, the, the days of the firing squad stuff where, you know, you line, yeah. line you up against the wall, those days were over because of, uh, what's it called, the, the plantados in the 60s and 70s, right, where they started getting the, um, what's this, uh, uh, this, the, uh, the, what's it called, that organization, the world organization that, um, UN? the UN, oh my God, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, started getting the UN um, in there and, you know, they couldn't do that anymore because it was not, you know, humanitarian or whatever. So instead what they did is we're going to reduce you to, you can only, you know, hunt crocodiles, um, bury the dead, or work on a farm, et cetera. And, uh, you know, that's when you have to resort to, okay, I either do that, right, and yeah. live a miserable life or I have to resolve other things. So you have to, you know, resort to like, you know, stealing and then using your skill sets to like, you know, produce materials and sell it illegally in the park or have your cousin sell it for you or, you know, because you can't do it because yeah. of the police catch, you know, that kind of... It it it, it kind of pushes you into that, you know, to having to do that right. And um, luckily, we were able to get out of that. And you hear and you hear um, you hear quite a, quite a few stories. Like um, uh, there's a, there's a story where um, my grandparents in their little town. This is before my my grandfather was shipped off to, to the gulag. Um, there was this this lady. So it basically, like uh, there was a there was a term. I forgot what the term was, but it was like when you I would call out a trader. And then basically, like, there was this huge uproar in the middle of the street, and everyone's like, oh, it's a traitor, get him. And then my parents' neighbor walks out of her house, and she starts participating, like, yeah, go get him, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they all go to the park, where this was back in the day when they're still doing the whole firing squad thing. And then she's there, and she moves to the front, and she sees that the person they have captured is her son. Mm. And then she uh, she literally had to like she realized on her what she did and what she called for the death of her son there. So like, we have like all these billion one stories. But, you know, to the topic of like how important it is to kind of see things like this with a biblical lens, uh, I was reading uh, Aurel Kolnai, uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. He, um, every single uh, Cuban American argument for what happened back then was uh, that was a, that was a horrible system. It doesn't work. Like obviously a little bit more, but it's basically you can reduce it to like its utility. Like, oh, yep. it's not working. Yep. And then Aurel Kolnai brilliantly says like, if your argument against communism is that it doesn't work, you've already bought into their worldview. Yeah. So you have to see it nothing more than uh, man's self-enslavement by, re- by, by removing God from the equation and elevating himself. Yep. So like under that proper lens, we're like, all right, never again. <laughs> oh <my> gosh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's wild. Well, uh, one thing that I was taking away as you guys were sharing those those testimonies of just your family was um, how in in both of your situations, I see the two of you now living as 
as Catholic men in uh, a difficult culture, truly carrying the the ideals of virtue and Catholicism with a focus on on commitment and evangelization in your in your heart, right, and in your work. And that wasn't something that you made up, right? That it was your it was your your grandparents and your parents and and your father, you know, standing against an oppressive regime for the sake of trying to 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 pursue a humanitarian effort to bring freedom and stability to his country, right? That it's it's the work of those who have gone before us. It's the it's the Aristotle's and the Jordan Petersons and the guy from Australia, right? <laughs> who can who can be a guide in the midst of of our uh, our process and our pursuit of of truth in the midst of chaos. And uh, I just want to honor you guys again. Thank you for being on the show. Um, getting to know you has been one of those I don't know those. those those lights in the in the midst of the darkness of seeing that there's tremendous hope for men who are who are operating in the midst of of the the tech world right who can who can who can see the promise of redemption to use this tool in a way that that doesn't detract but actually transforms so I'm blessed by that uh, thank you for for being a witness here and um, it's been it's been great to welcome you into the the missionary body here at Damascus. Pleasure, pleasure being here. Yeah. Can I close this in prayer today, and sure, then yeah. and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll close it out in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Uh, Lord, thank you for for as we're sharing testimony today. Thank you for the work that those who have gone before us has done have done in planting the seeds that have led each of us to where we are today. I'm grateful for uh, Ricardo and Danilo and and their parents, their grandparents. I'm grateful for uh, all of those great. Um, philosophical influencers who have inspired these two men, who have inspired me, uh, many of our team here at Damascus. God, I pray that you'd continue to call each of us to this work of, of, of mission and evangelization so that we could realize, God, every gift that you've given us, every talent you've given us is a tool that you're calling us to use for the sake of the, of the propagation of the gospel and the witness to the faith. Pray your blessing on uh, these gentlemen on South Point, um, Lord, and on all of the work that we do in partnership here at Damascus and beyond as we, uh, as we communicate your message through whatever means we're given. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.